Hey, it's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. I'm Rick Walker. Okay, there you are. Hey, hey, Rick. <laughs> he he <laughs> said it differently than I, I expected. I know. I'm just trying to. You're I, messing with me. I try to change it up. We've this been is, doing this for too long for you but, to change the intro. <laughs> oh, I'm. This is Photography Talk Radio, and yeah. know, and with your, you know, I, I don't know. I wish we could get a a really cool host, but you know what, whatever, you know, you'll have to put up with the two of us yeah, yeah. For, for the time being. Um, anything new going on, Rick? No, no, not too much. Okay. I've been playing around with, with stuff. Uh, I'm just about finished revising my um, Nikon Z9 birding ebook, wildlife ebook with the firmware 2.0. 2.0 and 2.1 settings that's been kind of a chore um due to some of the th nikon added a lot of features and they also went back and renumbered a lot of their menu items so i've just i've been doing a lot of just sort of make sure that the damn number, them <laughs> oh it was it was sort of a pain i mean they've added a lot of great features and that you know um and it's actually changed the way i've used my my camera a little bit in terms of how i approach my custom settings but man trying to figure this all out has just been taking more time than I really wanted to. Um, now, uh, let's see, what else is going on? Oh, well, we have uh, a couple of housekeeping uh, workshop announcements, right? Um, our Santa Fe and Taos, New Mexico still has, I think, one opening. One spot. One spot open. So you can still enroll in that if you're interested in joining us and doing some shooting in the New Mexico area. It's going to be fun, like we've mentioned. Um, I've got a couple of new workshops that I've added on my side, um, as and I also have one or two spots open to join me in White Sands, New Mexico. So New mm -hmm. Mexico sounds like a great place, but White Sands, New Mexico for landscape workshops, um, those iconic dunes with the yuccas, it's, it's very serene. Um, that's coming up the first week of November. I have some space open for that if anyone's interested. Um, and then I've just added a couple of, of new trips for starting because we're already looking into 2023. Go figure. So um, January 23, I'm going back to do the birding workshop in the San Diego, La Jolla area. It's wonderful. Lots and lots of different subjects and lots of, of opportunities to practice your birds in flight shooting, which is not something that is easy to do. It's a uh, it's a very predictable location to work on birds in flight. So it's, it's fun. Um, and practice makes all the difference. And, and that's what this is about. This yeah. is about getting some, there's a lot of birds we can photograph there. It's people just go, it's just pelicans. No, there's a lot more than pelicans um, plus yeah. sea lions and, and seals. And, and um, we, we do some side trips to some other areas, so a variety of birds. So um, that's fun, but it's, it's like three, three or four days worth of, practicing your camera settings and that's that's really huge so when you go on the bigger trip to somewhere more exotic you've got your your stuff dialed in you know if your gear works or whatever so speaking of something more exotic i'm going to be returning to panama to the eco lodge that you and i went to mm -hmm. last fall i've got it i've got space reserved for the i think it's the fifth starting in the 15th or 16th of april for mm -hmm. a week um, starting in Panama City, and we'll do an excursion to uh, Sloth Sanctuary, a place called Monkey Island, which is kind of mm -hmm. cool. And then we'll fly over to a private eco lodge. So it's just us on this. Uh, you were there. I mean, it was it was it's pretty very amazing. Nice. Um, very small size groups. Um, the ground run by great people. You yeah, know, the eco lodge and food was great. 
uh, I mean, everything was great. Yeah. Hot sauce was t- tremendous, as people have pointed out. <laughs> Panamanian habanero sauce. So that's coming up in April. So if you like photographing sloths and birds and hummingbirds and insects and frogs and things like that, that's a real fun trip. And it's really easy to get to. It's uh it's it's a lot easier to get to than than you might think, even though it seems like it's a far away place. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I've got space open for a return to Alaska, uh, doing Alaska cruise, but also adding a Denali extension where we'll take the train up to Denali for a couple of nights and do shooting up there and then have seven nights on a cruise ship to go to Glacier Bay. Because really, there's not a lot of other ways to get to Glacier Bay um, and see that kind of stuff. No. So one, one thing I'll just say is especially if if someone is feeling like they haven't been able to do a lot of more serious shooting because of the pandemic stuff in the past and stuff like that workshops can be a great way to jumpstart your photography again oh gosh yes and and get to do things that will result in cool photographs you'll be proud of and mm-hmm. It, it's just a nice way to do it. And, and we're not talking about like mega classroom hours kind of. No, 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 we're no. talking about actually just being out and doing photography with a group of people who share the fun. same values. I mean, I say value, you know, they share the same philosophy I say about, about photography and, and doing real photography without being maybe uh, burdened by having to squeeze your photo efforts into somebody else's agenda, you know, and it's sure it's real nice. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a thing. It's why we like to do those yeah. anyway. So those are coming up and I might have some more, but I'm still working out some logistics on some stuff for some more birding uh, type of workshops, possibly for spring of next year, but uh, it's coming quick. So check them out. Um, uh, we'll have links to those on, on the image doctors, Facebook page, as well as on my, my website at luminescentphoto.com. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about a topic that was suggested by one of our listeners. And the topic is flash. Do you want to say what the topic is? Well, so we got this question, right? And it said, um, what are we doing with flash nowadays that we have, we're now living in the age of really good ISO, you know, high ISO and IBIS or, you know, just VR in general, stabilize, mm-hmm. stabilized lenses. Do we even need flash or use, what are we doing? So what we thought we'd do is we t- we'd answer that question and we talk a little bit about some of the mechanics of, of using flash with, with um, our cameras, especially the mirrorless cameras, because there's some little tips, but flash photography in general. Mm-hmm. So let's address the question because we now have cameras that will shoot very nicely extremely high ISOs. So do we use flash? So I can go first. And the answer would be not as much uh, as I used to. And and the reason for me is I've also, I've always preferred the look of available light photography for people. If I can pull it off, I just like that look. And I always have, um, and so I lean that way, and and with the technologies and stuff you mentioned, it's become even easier, and including things like easy conversion to black and white if you want to mm-hmm. kind of eliminate some of the weird color casts that you can sometimes get with available light photography. So I tend to do that, and, and there are a lot of great fast lenses 
available these days. Um, flash can give you a very different look and it can be useful for filling in shadows and bright sun and stuff. You can do a little bit of that in post-processing too with shadow sliders. So the net result for me is I'm using flash less than I did in the past. It's not zero, but it's less. And that's just, it's a style thing. It's a personal preference thing. There's nothing wrong with flash. You can do fantastic things with it. Mm -hmm. I'm not always patient enough. That's true. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of flash that units. Being patient. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. But I have a bunch of flash units that I don't normally use. I find, especially if you've got, if you're doing, you know, indoor, I, I guess there's two reasons why you might use a flash traditionally. One was because it's straight up, you just didn't have enough light because you were working mm -hmm. in an indoor scenario. And that's still true now. Um, especially if you don't have fast lenses. Um, and even if you do have a fast lens, you don't necessarily want to shoot everything at F1.8 or F2, right? You want to have mm -hmm. some depth of field control. So if you're doing a lot of indoor event type of stuff, uh, you know, or whatever, yeah, flash is really useful because you don't want to be up at ISO 6400 all the time. Mm -hmm. um that that's that's true and then there's a the case where you're using it more like either creatively or just to add a little fill light or even a catch light maybe outdoor type of scenes where, where the flash becomes a way to modify the look and i and i think that i use a lot less um especially with you know nature and and wildlife photography there was a time when i pretty much had a flash on my camera with a flash extender anytime i went out to shoot birds because this was how you got sharper shots. <laughs> because and of I, I did it as well. You know, and now we can set really high shutter speeds without worrying about uh, ISO, you know. So just shoot outside at F8 and 2,000th of a second and let the camera figure it out, right? Um, I find for outdoor kinds of, you know, nature action shots, flash actually creates more limitations to the way i like to shoot because you've got to wait for the flash to recharge you can't do burst shooting there's a lot of stuff that you can't do so i look at flash as being something like what you were saying more aligned with people type photography mm -hmm. you know it doesn't have to be studio but just people in general um and uh you know that's where it's still a very useful tool i mean absolutely useful tool because uh, with flash, you can do a, a little, you know, fill light, but you can just use it where everything is set up with your flashlight, you know, your studio lights, and you can control all of the lighting in a scene. Mm -hmm. So you can go all the way from just, you know, hey, I have a camera with a, a flash on it and I'm just adding a little, you know, pop versus I'm going to set up multiple light stands and go full Joe McNally, right? I mean, it's right. Let's talk about some of the really simple things. We won't dwell on them too long but just some you know probably reminders for for many people and maybe they're new for a few mm -hmm. but whenever you're taking a photo with a flash there are really two exposures in play there's an exposure that you do for the ambient light the background and stuff mm -hmm. and that's something that you end up controlling with your camera controls aperture for sure iso shutter speed you know the basics and you could you could make that shot without the flash and you'd see how it turned out, how dark or how bright the background was. That's the way it is. And then there's the flat the exposure with the flash. 
and how strong the flash is firing. Is it at full power or something less than that? Is it in some automatic mode? But the flash exposure varies. And the combination of that flash exposure and the ambient exposure is what gives you the look of your complete image. And it's really that simple. Mm -hmm. Everything after that has to do with either automation or a lack of it. And yeah. by the way, neither one of those is wrong. They're both useful mm -hmm. things in different situations. Right. I mean, one, one thing about anytime you use a flash, I guess one thing mm -hmm. to keep in mind, and this is something that people forget, I think a lot, is that there's only two ways to, to control the, the flash exposure, if you will. One is by varying the power on the flash, and that's mm -hmm. you know that that will just depend on the flash unit and how big it is and how much you can dial it down. And the other is by actually through the aperture, because the light falls off at distance. You know, light falls off the square of the the distance mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you have a person in front of a wall, um, that flash is going to light up the person. And it's going to light up the background because <laughs> there's no difference there. They're you know they're all in that zone. If you've got a person in front of a uh, of a you know standing on a balcony where there's nothing you know where the scene is behind them, the flash is not going to contribute anything whatsoever to the background exposure. Right. Um, and what what has gotten better, and and you know this is one of those things. Um, let's just imagine you're doing a, a a picture of a person you know in that open window, right? You know, on a mm -hmm. you know where there's a nice landscape behind them or something like that, right? Your your flash is there because maybe they're a little backlit. Maybe there's harsh shadows on their face and you want to just fill that in a little, right? Mm -hmm. So traditionally, um, you know, the the only way you could really control the flash range was by stopping everything way down, right? So you're going to use F8 or F11. Um, it means the depth of field of the overall scene is going to be pretty pretty deep um with today's stuff with some of the technology that's advanced um and th this was because you were forced to shoot at say 200th or 250th or even slower shutter speed and the only way you could get the ambient exposure to not blow out was to stop way the heck down mm -hmm. right i mean you know what i'm talking about i hope sure. i'm making sense right so let's say you have a flash shutter excuse me a flash shutter speed sync of a 60th of a second which was something that the old film cameras it was often common did. it was very common yeah um uh you know it and meant, 125th was really special and <laughs> guess guess what i happen to have that because i had a i had a camera that had that it was it was Ditto. neat um but but i mean this was a thing it meant it meant that if you were shooting in sort of sunny 16 conditions you know, 60th of the second or 125th of the second means you're stopping down to like F16 half the time mm -hmm. or, or whatever, depending on the ISO of your of your film or, or, or whatever the camera is set at. And so you get a very distinct look. The light could be kind of harsh on the people and, you know, there's, and then the background's all in focus. But we've got tools in modern cameras which are very cool. And one of the things that's come out in the last, you know, decade or so is this thing that is called high-speed flash sync. Nikon calls it FP sync, but there's other names for it. Yeah, and almost and, every brand has it at this point, I think. And and this is really cool because it allows you to shoot at very fast shutter speeds, including all the way up to like eight thousandth of a second. Okay, at the expense of flash range. And there's some tricks that it does. But yeah, let's it's just like very weak 
very fast bursts of flash, just bing, 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 during the exposure. But if you're shooting a picture of someone where you're fairly close to them, like you might be with a portrait, you're five or six feet away, you're in bright conditions, you can set a, a fairly low ISO. Um, if you can shoot, set the shutter speed to be really fast, it means you can use a much wider aperture and control the depth of field and look in that same shot. There's no way in heck you could go out with an 85.12 or 85.18 and shoot it wide open with a flash traditionally. You, you could, but now with this FP sync stuff, this high speed sync stuff, you can do it. You can shoot at F2 and just and use the shutter speed to control the background exposure. So we're going to suggest several little experiments or exercises that people do just to get a better understanding. And and one of the one of them is figure out if your your camera and flash will support that function. Mm -hmm. If it can, give it a try. It's actually quite cool, like you said, mm -hmm. and it and it's available in most um, intermediate and up cameras these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a discriminator for purchase to look at what the flash system could do. Right. There were people who bought cameras once upon a time simply because of the, what the flash system could handle. Yeah. I think that's gotten, playing fields got a little more level. Yeah. But I mean, this, but it's still the idea of there are still two exposures. And with newer cameras, you can control those two exposures quite differently because of some of these settings. Yeah. And that leads us to the next one, which will require just... A little bit of research if you don't know the answer off the top of your head is will your does your camera have a setting in it typically a custom setting of some sort that'll will allow you to separate the automated background exposure from the automated flash exposure mm -hmm. and if it does separate them it's wonderful it's a wonderful thing because you can you know with your camera and flash on very automated controls you can just dial in some negative exposure compensation and make the background darker or do the opposite and make it lighter and not have your flash exposure affected you can control that separately so it makes it really easy to get the balance between flash and ambient light it, Super it really easy. does and i'm just looking at my I have right a hard now. time thinking why you wouldn't want that, but I'm sure there's scenarios. Yeah. I mean, if it's just indoor shooting it, you know, where you're going to yeah. get the background anyway, I suppose, but there's a custom setting. Um, I was just looking in my Nikon camera and, mm -hmm. it, but basically it's just called exposure compensation for flash. And while the default is the entire frame, like where exposure compensation drives, not just the overall, it basically works kind of in the way it would with ambient light shooting, right? So if you dial mm -hmm. in negative exposure compensation, everything gets darker. And if you go the other way, everything gets brighter. I have mine set to background only, which is really good for outdoor shooting. So now I know my camera exposure compensation dial will only affect the ambient exposure. And then the flash fills in the rest. And sometimes you can control that um, from the camera itself, a lot of cameras will have either a dedicated flash button where you can change not just the sync mode, you know, rear curtain, whatever, but also do flash exposure compensation, which in this use case is only now for the subject. It's not for the background. Um, other times you would just have to dial it in manually on your flash unit yourself. And that just depends on the, the equipment that you have. Yeah. But it works great. 
it works right. really well and it's it's gotten even easier i mean you can do this manually with manual exposure and fixed iso and it and that's fine like you said but the 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 modern settings now really let you separate those exposures in camera without having to think too hard about it which is nice too yeah that brings up let's talk just a little bit about manual control of flash mm-hmm. because i think a lot of people are afraid of that and it's actually very easy um and it's good to know about it in in certain circumstances you know when i first learn to use electronic flash, which was when I was 10 years old with an SLR. Um, they, they weren't automated and one I had was not automated at all. So, you know, what you do is set a little dial on the top of the flash to the ISO that you were using. It's called ASA then. And you would either focus on something and see what the distance was, or just guess, say it's about six feet away that person and the little dial on the top of flash would say set it at f8 you put it on f8 and the picture would turn out fine it was not hard i was 10 years old <laughs> i figured well, it you out were myself 10 year old I'm okay sure. but but yeah whatever but any it's not hard and that same approach can work today when you just want very predictable results you don't want how bright the subject is or how dark it is throwing the exposure off so it's not a bad thing to learn and that can be a little experiment you try Mm -hmm. and prove to yourself that it's actually quite easy right um just something to think about and and you know there are some people that are strong believers in manual ambient exposure manual flash exposure Mm -hmm. and they get great results it works for them so it's not a bad thing to know. No, it, it really isn't. Um, is it's good good tips. Now, one of the things that you can do now too, you know, with all digital cameras, is you can use different ISOs between shots, but you can also use auto ISO. And early on, this this was getting me in a little bit of trouble when I was messing with flash because if you're in a dark room, for example, and it's using auto ISO, and the camera thinks it needs to be at ISO twenty five thousand, then the flash comes on and blows away everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I find is that for indoor shots, <laughs> for indoor shots, um, I like to use a fixed ISO, but I won't use my lowest ISO either. I'll use I might use ISO eight hundred. Mm -hmm. and it gets a little more of that ambience comes in because again i'm in a enclosed space the flash gets more reach as i go with my iso as i up the iso my flash gets a little more range just because the camera is more sensitive to that light um you can do that outdoors as well and again look at your camera it may have different settings for how the camera handles automatic shutter speeds when you're using auto iso so like i know my camera it says do you want to um, reference off the background and the subject or just the subject and it doesn't sound like much but the difference really is is that the camera will revert to lower shutter speeds if you set it to subject versus evaluating the entire scene with the background mm-hmm. and for catch lights and stuff and for fill light i find that that mode works better the subject plus background it allows those faster um, sync speeds um but if you're doing portraits, you might you might look at it differently where where um, where you are. But it's gotten a lot better, so you can use auto ISO and flash. Um, 
But the good news is, is that either way, you can use a higher ISO than you might have done before, and you get more range on your flash, and it uses less power, it recycles more quickly, and your shots still look great because these cameras do so well at these these yeah. uh, these settings. There's one other camera setting I want to mention before we talk about our last topic, which is like the the um, modifiers and, and the looks with with flash. And that's a setting in your mirrorless cameras. One setting that we really like in our viewfinder is previewing the exposure. You know, where, where normally, you, yeah. normally we like this. Yes. Where you can say, oh, it's dark and whatever. Mm -hmm. Not when you use flash, especially if it's indoor flash. Um, when you use flash, you want to set your camera to just an automatic viewfinder adjustment. Um, they'll call it something different where the where the viewfinder looks normal no matter what the exposure is set at if you don't do that everything gets black and you can't see anything yeah and typically in addition to not reflecting what the exposure actually is um, it will also the camera will also turn off things like color profile settings or it won't reflect the white balance that you've set. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's kind of the digital equivalent of an optical viewfinder. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that, I should that point setting out, is super useful. I, I just remembered one other thing. Most mirrorless cameras, not all of them can use flash with electronic shutter. That's one. Right. And darn near everyone that I know of can't use flash with silent shooting. So that's weird, but it's true. It varies with um, brands and terminology and stuff. Right. But like even in my Z9, which is all electronic shutter, so obviously I can do that. I still have to set it so that silent is turned off. And right. I, I get, you know, just whatever. It, it, not that the camera makes a click or anything like that. It's still pretty quiet. But I, th think those are just some mechanical is, I think their rationale is if you want quote silent photography which is what that setting is you're not going to want the sound of a flash recycling right but I, that's just I, a guess i don't know but it doesn't work so if you're, no. if, if, you're <laughs> if you put a flash on and you notice that it's not firing check to see if your camera is set to silent shooting um, yeah. that that can be a problem okay now let's so, talk about that look and how we change the look yeah so i think that's one of the beefs that we have with flash right I think a couple things that people can do that are really simple and can dramatically improve the look of flash. One, get the flash off the camera. Just a cord is fine. You don't have to have fancy wireless modes of differing types. A cord can work just fine. So get it off the camera and maybe hold it up a little bit into one side, kind of simulating a, you know, what the sun might do or whatever. And the other thing is just put on some sort of simple diffuser or modifier. You know, there's some little tiny soft box things that you can do get that go on the end of your flash or things that um, will reflect the light. If you put the flash in a bounce mode, you know, where it's angled up and then it bounces it on the person. Just those two things alone make the look of the flash so much better and much more natural yeah let's let's dive into that briefly which is when you use a flash just naked flash traditional mm -hmm. um it really comes off as just a harsh point source of light 
And when so people say, I don't like the look of flash photography, that's usually what they're talking about. It makes every little wrinkle stand out. It's, it's just, it's very direct, pinpoint, harsh light. Um, so adding that modifier, whether it's just a reflector that bounces the flash and spreads that light out a little bit, or a, some kind of small softbox, and you can get the kinds that just attach to your flash for very little expense. The, the quality of that light changes so dramatically that people will think you must be some kind of pro because you're, you know, all of a sudden you're using flash and the pictures don't come out like with theirs. The other thing about getting the flash off the, off of the camera. So now you're changing the angle. So the shadows aren't cast directly behind your subject. They might be cast completely away from your subject um, to, you know, and, and it doesn't look harsh. And it also re reduces the chance of getting any kind of red eye because you're you're taking the flash away from the lens axis so any light reflecting from someone's retinas is going to be reflected away from your lens mm -hmm. so those that's the that's the the mechanism between those two pieces of advice that Rick gave gave us but they work really well you can get down the rabbit hole of all kinds of other things right you can start using gels to change the color temperature of your flash you know and play with different white balance settings one classic example that we both learned from a lot of people who we've met over the years, including uh, Joe McNally, but also Dave Black, is setting like a tungsten white balance outdoors at kind of like twilight to really make a blue hour look and then use an orange gel on your flash to restore the normal white balance to the to the subject that you're illuminating with the flash. That's a cool look and it works well. But looping back, if you're just trying to get, you know, somewhat better photos of family and friends get the flash off the camera mm -hmm. get a cheap little diffuser and cheap these should be you know less than twenty dollars for one they're they're not expensive you can pay more but you can find plenty of good ones that mm -hmm. are inexpensive absolutely that and and that's the reason why your instamatic with the built-in little tiny flash always look crappy with the flash was because mm -hmm. Here's this tiny little flash. You can't move it off the camera. You can't put a diffuser on it. Um, and it's right on the lens axis. So the red eye is a magical, <laughs> it just appears all the time. And if and if you're somewhere where you don't have the cord with you, if you don't have and you don't have a diffuser, see if there there are walls or low ceilings that are neutral colored. You know, white is the best. And just position yourself so you can bounce your flash off of those. And onto your subject. Sometimes that means going in the corner of a room or mm -hmm. or whatever. But that can actually look quite good too. You're using the walls and ceiling of the room as diffusers or reflectors. Absolutely. So maybe that answers our listeners' questions and goes beyond that. But I think that is a pretty good uh, intro to the flash stuff. It's it's kind of it's funny because I think we both kind of forget that there's a lot of good flash stuff out there because we don't need it as often. Right. And, and, uh, and the, the look of natural light usually is that softer, more gentle light. And you can get that with flash, but you have to have the necessary uh, accessories to go with your flash unit right? to make that work. So if you're serious about doing something like that, you know, there's, there's a little homework involved. It's, it's not, technically difficult but there is a process and there is a lot of setting up and planning that you do have to do yeah 
So with that, I think we're just about out of time for this week's show. We'll be back here again um, next week. I'm going to be in Croatia pretty soon, so not sure whether or not we'll have every episode. We'll have we'll to figure you know. out our schedule. Yeah, But uh, I'm going back to Croatia to do photography with an, another small group. It should be really fun. Such a cool country. It, it really is. And I'm hoping that we are able to get into some of the spots that we were unable to get to when we went because it'll be a little warmer uh, time of year than when, when we were there. Either way, highly recommended location. So Yeah, great place. All right. Okay. Well, until next time, happy shooting, and we'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye.